All right, welcome back to another episode of For the Love of Food, uh, where we break down the origin, uh, the technique, the flavor profiles, pretty much anything that has to do with food. Uh, Today, we are diving deep into the origin of Korean food. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. All right, welcome to Max Effort Kitchen. I am Matt. This is Sarah. We are your hosts for the night. Uh, we are going to do a uh, for the love yeah. of food episode tonight. Um, got a really exciting show. Uh, this is going to be about Korean food. Sarah, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Extra tired because of my over ambitious brain. Uh, no, <laughs> sleep. Sleep is for wimps. You can you can stay up till two a.m. for two weeks in a row. It's fine. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. You're you're explaining my last like probably twelve days as well. <laughs> Except for mine wasn't based off being over ambitious. Mine was based off of uh, putting out fires in the re- restaurant industry. Not literal fires, but hypothetical fires and yeah, yeah. many emergencies yeah you know i mean we got the the snowstorm up here and so that completely shuts down our city and that that creates a lot of problems in the restaurant world so oh yeah you know and like in school too because it's like our finals two and a half weeks right now oh Except wow that got shortens to one and a half weeks and luckily oh. none of my classes have finals but like my, a oh. lot of my friends are absolutely buried right <laughs> i bet yeah i remember finals and it was just like those uh it, it's like you're getting towards the end of this like four year of just you know kind of moving on in the next chapter of life and it's like i just got to get over this major hump and yeah. for some people it's really hard for some people it comes really easy and then there's everybody in between but um i just remember myself like studying, 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 and getting to a point where like, I can't retain any more information. I just got to do it. Got to have faith and go do it. Yeah. So, yeah. And at some point, like time melts into like each other and you're just there yeah. for like what feels like a second and you look up, it's been four hours and you're like, oh, now I have the whole periodic table. So there's that. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because I, and I think I'm a very, uh, given, you know, my, my career and, and the things that I do in my life, um, I'm a very hands-on person and I, I like to touch. I like to feel, I like to smell. I like to be involved with the process from start to finish. Right. And I think that's really why I, I had this like moment of Excel in my life with, uh, with culinary is because, you know, in the school aspect of culinary, it was like, you know, 50% classroom, And then the rest of the day was 50% in the kitchen. And it was like, so you learned about it. You learned the history. You learned the back, you know, backstory, where it came from, the technical side of things. And then you got to take what you learned and move it into the kitchen and learn the proficiency of it and uh, make it based off of what you've just, you know, tried to ingest as far as information. And I think that that style of learning um, really it just, it, it, it fired the, the neuron neurons in my brain. And it was like, this is, this makes sense to me. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, textbooks, like just sitting there and reading a textbook or listening to a lecture, it can be pretty hard for me. Like I just have to do it over and over again until it sticks, but like the yeah. best, cl- the classes I've excelled in the most, and it hasn't been necessarily one subject in a lot of cases. It's been 
a teacher yeah. who instead of just lecturing at us gives us like this one teacher she just gave us like simulators and stuff and said figure it out and then right. i'm gonna explain it to you yeah and i, like I only that. studied for like one hour for that whole year and it was amazing i like that i like that and that's a really good point like i can i can pinpoint um the the teachers in my life that um have turned into mentors but um, you know, the ones that really stuck out were the ones that didn't just say, this is how you do it. Now go do it. But they were like, this is why it is. This is how they say you're supposed to produce it. Now go get creative. Let me, and yeah. then I'm going to point out where you're doing it, where you're actually doing it outside of the technique, but I want you to be creative. Let your mind work. Yeah. And sometimes that was challenging. You know, sometimes you're like sitting there like, what do I do with this rice? You know, it's like, I know how to cook rice. I know I'm, I'm learning how to flavor rice, but like the rice is such a um, vast. There's so many different ways to produce and process rice and to make it into different forms and create different flavors and textures. And, and you're like sitting there be like, okay, I got to do something different. <laughs> I don't want to do what everybody else in class is doing. What do I got to do? And it makes you think. And you start, the yeah. smoke starts coming out of your brain. And the next thing you know, you start trying things. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But when it clicks, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, you learn the rules, so then you know how to break the rules. Exactly. You know what I say about well said, well said. Mm. So, um, Sarah, we talked about this a little bit on our last show, but you also uh, have been reading this book. <clears throat> it's all about uh, basically the the history and kind of information about Korean food. So I'm going to give you the mic and I'm going to let you go. Um, I'm going to interject when I can, but teach us. Teach us about Korean food. Yay, Sarah Spotlight. <laughs> yeah, Sarah Spotlight. I like it. <laughs> um, So... Korean food is definitely it's one of my favorite cuisines. What initially draws me is the way they, you know, they've handled fermentation and pickling vegetables um, and how diverse the cuisine is because there's all sorts of methods used. It's not very centralized in one aspect or another. Right. Um, and this is mostly because of how... Um, because as of all of the, the diverse climate in Korea, they get four full seasons. That I think they're surrounded by two or three seas. They have it's very mountainous. They get a lot of fresh produce that cycle through the seasons. So they have like a lot of flexibility to do stuff with. And um, in history, it's actually really cool because I was reading that um, fermentation dates back to the Bronze Age in Korea. So 4,000 years ago is when they found the first signs of ferment, of Korean fermentation. Really? And like these like underground, like cellar, like things with like mm -hmm. pots and stuff. It's, it was like, it's really cool. It's also really cool because, um, you know, spice is definitely an instrumental part of Korean cuisine, but it was actually brought over by the right. Portuguese. And I think I'm gonna say the 17th, Portuguese traders in like the 17th century. That may not be right though. Cause I'm not a dates person at all. That's okay. what we're just yeah. talking about. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, well, let me ask so, you a question. Let me, let me interject here really quick. Um, now, what's your experience with fermentation? Have, do you eat it? Do you like it? Do you, do you play with it at all? 
Well, I definitely like to incorporate a lot of fermented aspects into my dishes. Um, okay. I, I have like a lot of fermented ingredients, a lot of acidity. I really like playing around with acidity when I cook. That's right. Like yeah. all the depth it can add and the way you can layer it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I don't do a lot of fermentation on my own. I've done, I do a lot of quick pickling. Okay. Um, all sorts of different produce and vegetables and like leafy greens, like carrot tops, you know, I'll pickle, yeah. I'll pickle any vegetable. Um, yeah. and I've mm-hmm. also done preserved lemons, like a lot, a few salt preserves before. Um, but I'm not, I definitely want to get more experienced in that, but okay. Okay. I'm really obsessed with the fermented flavor and the umami and, and like that zing it adds to like yeah. the depth. So I, I always almost add like a little bit of fermented undertone to my dishes, even if you can't taste it. I think it's a really great layer to add in. Yeah. And I think uh, fermentation all around is just such a cool process. And where it came from was out of necessity, right? It came yeah. because they were trying to get through the winters. Um, they were trying to get through the seasons um, and still maintain food where they couldn't find food. And it's like, you know, it's, it's innovation. It's innovation based off of off necessity. And that's, yeah. that always sparks my brain. So sorry to interject there. I just wanted to kind of throw that in, but keep on going. It's all good. I mean, like it, I really, I found it really fascinating to think about the, like the climate and geography and historical aspects that have gone into creating these beautifully complex dishes and cuisine. I mean, it's just, it's really captivating to think about. And I love learning about the history of why something has developed. And like you were saying with the um, fermentation in Korea's act, it was again, born out of necessity. They started um, kimchiing things, which is, I'm trying to think, it's not the word for pickle. I think it is the word for for ferment. Um, okay. Translation, okay. they started kimchiing things um, to preserve it throughout the winter so that, you know, they would have more food. Okay. Um, which is what we see, you know, in most cultures that ferment, but not all cultures. Yeah. Um, but uh, okay, I'm gonna go on a little kimchi tangent now that I've yeah, it go, up. do so, it. A lot of people when they hear kimchi, they think of the most common Napa cabbage kimchi. Yeah, yeah. Um, but kimchi can be so many different ingredients, it can be any vegetable, fruit, sometimes you even see kimchi made with meats. Um, and it's not just like a lot of the kimchi that we is like a mild mild seafood Napa cabbage kimchi, Napa cabbage kimchi. Uh, don't trust my time. <laughs> don't worry about I it. I swear, you're, I spent you're in good five company. minutes earlier trying to say manipulative, and I tried like 20 times and I couldn't say it, and I got so frustrated. Yeah. No, I mean, I. <laughs> you're talking to somebody who um, multiple times throughout the day will uh, mispronounce something or <laughs> mis- misuse something. It, it happens. It happens, right? Mm-hmm. We all do it. The best friends are the ones who don't even bat an eye. They're just all like, yep. Yep, exactly. I agree. I know what you mean. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Okay, anyway, so kim- back on oh, to yeah, kimchi. kimchi. Yeah. Um. So, like, a lot of – so you can definitely, like – but can play around with spice intensity, seafood intensity. A lot of the time it's a shrimp and anch- anchovy paste that's added in. Some of yeah. it has no seafood. Some of it's a bit sweeter. Um, the main categories of kimchi are, like I said, the first one is Napa cabbage. Yep. Then there's also radishes, yeah, cucumber, different root vegetables, and a lot of leafy green 
greens. Those are very common kimchis. Okay. Um, I really like making my own cucumber kimchi. Really easy, really simple, really fresh and delicious. I put it on everything. I, I definitely recommend giving that a try. It only takes like 15 minutes to get okay. in the fridge and it I'm, lasts like two weeks. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you right there. And the only reason why I'm gonna do this is because <clears throat> anybody who's listened to my podcast knows this about me, which is um, and I'm and and keep in mind, my mind is very open when it comes to kimchi. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I, my mind is open with food, period. But if there is one food out there that challenges me, challenges me the most, it's kimchi. And I still to this day, just, you know, I still say, I still keep saying it's because I haven't tried the right kimchi. Like I haven't like shut the door on it yet. Um, I can help with that. Please do. So if you can give, if you can help me with that and you can get me kimchi, kimchi in front of me, I, I, I will try it. Um, I, there's not anything anybody's put in front of me that I've said no to. Um, I've probably said yes to too many things. Um, but kimchi is, is one of those things that I've tried many of them and I just haven't found the right one. So I'm going to, I encourage you to get some to me because I would love to, uh, I would love to like it because all the different attributes of what it brings to the table is exactly what I love in all other cuisines. So why wouldn't I like this? I don't know. So let's yeah. uh, let's make that a goal of ours here in the next month or so. We can have a kimchi taste testing day. I like that. Um, okay. What exactly don't you like about kimchi? Let's start with that. Well, it's the um, it's the texture. Uh, I I think it tends to get a little like some people use a little too much uh, shrimp paste or fish sauce in it. And I think that fish sauce, specifically fish sauce, is one of those ingredients that you have to be very, very precise with, in yes. my opinion, because it can overpower. And it can overpower to the degree that I taste it seven hours later. And I don't and and me to, as a person, like I'm I like to taste my food. And there's times where, you know, and I have I have things where like maybe an hour afterwards, I'm like, wow, I still taste that in my mouth. Or my mouth is still hot from that garlic or whatever, you know, but, and that's okay. And, and, uh, and all, but like it lingers with me. So that part, it don't matter. It's mainly the texture and the overuse of the shrimp paste or the, uh, the fish sauce. Cause I think those two things can be very, um, uh, how what's polarizing. That's a bit, that's yeah. a good word. Very polarizing. If there's too much of it. Well, not all kimchi has fish sauce in it. And like it's, uh, kimchi is such a personal, personal dish like fish for um, Korean families. Like everybody has their family recipe that they've made for generations. The art of kimchi, it's this whole, it's this thing that like the whole community will get together and do. It's a very tedious task. It's a ritual. Yeah. Um, like at the beginning of every single winter, even though it's easily store-bought now, it's just, it's, it's just like this ritualistic thing. I mean, mm -hmm. there's this, particular word for it. I'm going to grab my, my fancy little book and get the notes because <laughs> like I it. took a note. Let's see. Kim Jang. I don't know if I said that right, but I think it's Kim Jang. Okay. Is the um, tradition of kimchi and stuff. Okay. So you can get it like the first kimchi I liked did not have any fish sauce in it because I, I was not a fish sauce person. Right. Um, and now I like like moderate fish sauce in mine, but yeah. I always say that cucumber kimchi is the stepping stone of the kimchi world. I'm in. 
Bring it on so because I'm going to bring you some. So yes. that was my that was my excited kimchi tangent. I like yeah. it. Like I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because um, it, it gives us a good uh, gives listeners a good perspective that just because we are um, you know people in the food industry, we love what we do. We we dive deep into these food traditions and processes and techniques. Like doesn't mean that we eat everything, and it doesn't mean that we're not challenged by things. And yeah. that's one thing that I, and I might've told you the story already, but one thing I learned very early on is never to say you don't like something. If, if, if it's something that doesn't meet your palate, well, well, that challenges me, but keep an open mind Yeah, and because everybody, everybody can make it different, right? Like it could be better. Like it's like uh, poke. When I first had poke, I was like, no, I'm good. But then I had it fresh and I had it. It, you know, I think it was in Hawaii. I had it in Hawaii, fresh caught, made with some really authentic sauce. And I'm like, this is the jam. Like, this is it right here because that I, is, try that. I, I see why that. everybody loves it, you know? But, um, but when you get it at like a, an art festival in the, you know, in the middle of the, of the state, like you're probably not going to get the most fresh fish there. And so yeah, it, it's really good out there for, for everybody listening to understand there's different degrees and different perspectives or, or different levels of how food is made. And don't just shut the door on something because you don't like it once. That's my, there's my rant. The <laughs> thing that challenges me is shrimp. Um, something about the texture. I just okay. don't like the texture of like cooked shrimp, except if it's paired with something crunchy. So like lightly breaded, like shrimp and fried yeah. shrimp. I love that. Like coconut shrimp. I love that. But something just about plain pan fried shrimp, like in any sort of sauce, just the texture. I don't know. I keep, yeah, I keep trying maybe one I, day. I can see how you'd like, to, how you would feel that way. You know, anytime, cause uh, you know, Alana's the same way. She's like, I, I'll eat shrimp, but it has to be crunchy. So it's either fried or I will take it and I'll skewer it up and I'll char it on the barbecue. Really, oh. really hot barbecue. Um, put let like hit it with uh you know, I'll hit it with some sort of like lemon sauce. I'll, I'll do like a balsamic honey glaze on it, but it's like a little bit of, a little bit of oil, or even sometimes um, I've used butter and smeared butter on it and then put it on a really hot grill, flip it, let it get nice and charred, hit it with like a, you know, a honey balsamic uh, reduction. And it's really good that way. So I can understand the texture there of how the differences would, would get you there. So that, that's cool. I need to give that a try. That sounds really good actually. Cause I yeah. love the flavor of shrimp, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. It can be great, but you're right. It can be challenging at times. So. Okay. I'm going to talk about the Johns now, which is like one yes. of my favorite aspects. Um, I don't know if I brought this up, but I love sauce. I'm okay. a very saucy girl. I love yes. sauce. You should see my fridge. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sauces the are good. Are literally just sauce. Yes. Um, I think I have probably 50 kinds in there. I love that. That's fantastic. That's good. So the Jangs, uh, um, so oh, Jang is um, in Korean is like a rough translation to like sauce or paste. Okay. And the Jangs are a collection of fermented sauces and pastes that are like the, like they are such an instrumental um, parts, like, undertone of okay. Korean cuisine. Almost all mayonnaise, almost all seasonings has one sort of jang or another. And the most common 
here is gokujang, yes. which is, you know, fermented sweet and spicy red pepper paste um, coming from gokujo and a byproduct of making tofu. Yes. Oh, and tofu is a whole other thing I'll talk about in a bit. Oh, yeah. But there's all sorts of stuff. Um, and and I guess tofu does play a really heavy role into the development of most of the jang category. They call yeah. the jang category because most of them and most of the names of the sauces and pastes end with, you know, jang. Right. Um, right. Where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. Tofu. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Because, you know, tofu, it's a, it's a, it's a months and months of months of like process and it's not called tofu in korean i forget the um word that uh, that they have for it but you know it's, it's very similar I mean, but they use the byproducts differently okay. than they do in japan so they they'll they will make lighter soy sauces um uh-huh. i think that they are often referred to in english as um soup soy sauces oh um okay and then there's and then they'll like take ik- um, the bits of the soybean that, that was made for the tofu and ferment it and turn it into this miso-like paste mm-hmm. um, that is a little bit heartier, a little bit earthier, um, and it's a little bit chunkier, a lot uh, more mellow, more umami than miso has, less of that zing. And, and they'll use like all these different byproducts to make the jangs and other pastes and to add a lot of really cool ferment fermented depth into every single dish yes i like that you know and i also think it gives the uh it it kind of gives it the and this is gonna this may not translate but it it gives it a a viscosity it gives a sauce a viscosity and yeah you know a tofu if i remember correctly translated i think it translates as the great beans and i I could be pulling that out, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to, I'm, I'm actually typing that in right now to fact check that, but I'm pretty sure it, uh, tofu. Yeah. Okay. So it says tofu here, uh, meaning great bean or soybean, which has first been discovered in China, um, on one of the uh, oldest crops. So it's, it's technically a legume and it's a soybean, right? Um, and, and that's what it's made out of. But if you think about it, like we take beans, you mash them up, and what do they do? They turn into almost like this paste. And so, and every sauce starts with what? It starts with a paste. If yeah. you know, you either have a roux, you have a tomato paste. You have you have to have that that paste aspect of your sauce if you want it to have the right body and, and texture and uh, viscosity. Yes, exactly. I, I also, like that. I found the Korean word. It's called um, dubu. Let's go away. Dubu, D-U-B-U, and I may be saying that wrong, and I'm very sorry. D-U-B-U, I like that. Okay. That that is very interesting because I didn't know the Korean word for it. And uh, I have, so I have a friend, uh, friend slash coworker that uh, he lived, I mean, he lived in Thailand um, from like, I think it was like 12 to 18 so he kind of grew up there and he's, I can't wait for him to hear the show because he's going to love it. Um, but he, I've he's going to go to Thailand. Yeah. He, him and I will go back and forth on all the different Asian cuisines and we talk about it a lot. And he's the guy that is really um, started to broaden horizons with uh, kimchi, excuse me, uh, kimchi for me. And it's because he'll sit there and literally he'll go 
to the Asian market. He'll come back for lunch and he'll just sit there and eat kimchi with, with his uh, chopsticks. And I'm looking at him like, is that how you're supposed to eat it? <laughs> you know, I'm just asking questions because I'm, I'm very curious. Uh, and he was like, yeah, this is how I eat it. Or I put it on my eggs in the morning. Or he's like, I put it in my rice. He's like, I, I do everything with it. Yeah, I can talk about uh, the way you use kimchi too, because you know, it's yeah. a lot you can do with it. There um, is a lot. Okay, so this. Okay, I need to look up another word because the brain. brain. <laughs> the brain. <laughs> the brain. <laughs> That's like an old horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> they can make uh, a commercial. There you go. You know? There you go. I like it. The effects of a sleepy brain and what it does to a society. Oh, I tell you. It, you you do so you start doing funny things when the brain gets tired. I mean, I just I did just like horror chat the brain. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is good. This is good. Found it. Okay. Found what it. Is, what is okay. It? Banchan. Okay. Is Korean side dishes, and okay, so Korean meals. Um, most meals have well, rice is a pillar. There's almost always a bowl of steamed rice to go with the Korean meal, and then usually some sort of main dish, an entree, and then banchan, which is Korean side dishes. And it's one of the most fundamental aspects of Korean cuisine. And it's just tons of like little vegetable and fruit, and like these tiny little side dishes served in small, and everybody will have like a cup, like at big feasts, there'll be like Mm -hmm. 20 of these. And they'll just be in these tiny small bowls, and everybody will have like a bite or so of each different banchan. And I also hope I'm saying that right. But anyway, um, kimchi is the most fundamental one of all. Um, And they'll just serve it on the side so you can, like, have bites of the fresh kimchi with it. Um, They'll grind up kimchi, put it as also a base in sauces and stocks and all sorts of things. But then when um, kimchi ferments for too long and it gets this kind of extra sour pungent taste, that's when it'll go into soups and fried rice, like kimchi fried rice, um, kimchi stew, like a lot of these cooked kimchi dishes because it'll have um, a more developed flavor that isn't quite as fresh, you know, good to eat fresh. Well, that Um, makes sense. I mean, because it's a total utilization of the the product, right? Yeah. It goes goes a little bit long. Well, we know what we're going to do with it. We're going to make a soup. We're going to put it in some rice. I mean, kimchi fried rice, that is now that's something I've never had in my brain as I say it. It sounds really good. It's amazing. Yeah. And it takes away because it takes away some of the te- texture because it becomes cooked and it takes away some of the fishy flavor because it's mixed in. And yeah. that yeah. might be a good way for you to start like on the like the, the traditional Napa cabbage kimchi. Maybe. Okay. Well, let's let's start with the cucumber one because I think that. I mean, I love cucumbers as it is, um, but I would love to uh, experience all realms of kimchi. So, actually, have some in my fridge right now. That you <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, okay, so we've got into uh, the kimchi. We've got into tofu. Uh, the bon bon con bon was it bon con bon chan C-H-A-N, I believe. Okay, that's that's I spelled it wrong. <laughs> um, bon Chan, and I really I really enjoy that. So I want you uh, to tell us a little bit about like, um, does it does it talk about in this book about like kind of the traditions around um, eating and and the thing? Oh that, yes, the, that they do. I'm excited. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Um, 
so in Korean cuisine, there's a lot of different, very like grounded ritualistic aspects that like, like almost like it's eating can be almost like a ceremony at times. And to get started, I'm gonna talk about how traditionally Korean food is based off the idea of the five of five the five elements and the balance between yin and yang. Yep. So spicy fermented foods with soft, creamy, bland foods, crunchy and soft, yep. sweet and salty for the yin and yang, and then different colors to represent the five different elements, which are water, earth, fire, wood, and metal. Love it. Um, and it's basically just balancing out all of these different elements in a meal. And that's how all this like banchan um, comes into play. They're balancing all these colors and these textures to create a well-rounded meal. And um, and a lot of people don't even like really think about this. It's just very intuitive when they're cooking. Am I balancing all of these colors? Am I balancing all of these these components in cooking, right? Um, which is just really cool because yeah. with I'm gonna go back into banchan for a second, yeah, but like please do. There's every single method you can think of for cooking is used in banchan. Okay. It's not just pickled sides; it's stir fried, lightly marinated, steamed, slow cooked. There's even this very it's like this very like fancy type of banchan, which is um, small like savory pancakes and meat patties. That are used at more ceremonial events, and there's a lot of like very there's a lot of rules when it comes to eating in a formal setting. Mm-hmm. Like you don't you don't serve your own drink; you serve the drinks of others, right. um, and then they serve your drink in turn. You always um, show a lot of appreciation for the meal. It's eaten in silence most of the time, as Is a respect it? to the meal and to for a complete focus on food. Um, and like passing to show respect. I forget what it is. I think you pass dishes and drinks with your right hand and support it with your left. left okay. If I remember correctly, okay. Um, yeah. Because that is shows a lot of respect. Um, and there's like tons of stuff like this. I can I can pull up the little thingy. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. No. This I is- think while you're pulling pulling it up, I'll talk. Like, um, I, it's one of the. It's something I talk about a lot in in uh, food, which is the it's the, it's the experience you gain from uh, from food and how it creates experiences. And so when I start learning about different cultures and their foods, I'm always interested about the different ways that they sit down and eat because every culture has a different way, right? Yeah, the way they view the relationships to food. Correct. And how they communicate with each other and how they express love for one another, like how that all happens at at at, at their hypothetical dinner table, right? Yeah. Don't decline food or drinks offered by an elder because it's it's like it's a sign of love and respect from them, and you don't want to decline in that sign of in of okay. love. Um, okay. You let the the first person, the oldest person at the table, eat first, and you don't leave the table until they're finished. So you. So the oldest person, everybody tries to match their eating pace to that person. And this is mostly in a more traditional setting, wow. like a more like celebratory setting. Okay. It's always polite to say you are looking forward to the meal in respect to the cook or cooks before you eat the meal. Okay. Um, and when you're drinking, with, especially with elders, you always, this was something I, I remember learning, you always 
especially alcoholic drinks, you turn your head away from the person when you're drinking. So like they'll go like this when they drink. Interesting. I wonder what does it say in the book why they do that? Is it is it just a sign of respect? Is it it's a sign of respect, okay, yeah. Okay, okay. Wow. That's really neat. I, I find that really fascinating and just like makes me want to dive really deep into that aspect of it, of just like, you know, how, how different cultures uh, uh, view respect. And I think that That's goes. That's a good topic yeah, to yeah. sometime. Because if you think about it, like, I mean, I'm not going to dive too much into, you know, um, the issues of the world, but like, you know, we all have to have some sort of common level of respect. But if you think about it, each culture has their own. And if we could just educate ourselves a little bit more on the widespread different, the cultures and their ways of respecting, there could be like maybe, uh, I don't know. And this may be really naive to say, but like we could have a little bit more peace in the world if we just more respected connection. somebody else. Yeah, more connection. There you if go. We understand other people. Mm-hmm. then we're connected with them. If we experience parts of their lives and we're more connected with them, and that's one of the many aspects I love about food. It's that connection because we're sharing a piece of yourself with another person. Man, you said that so well. That, oh, that was fantastic. Um, all right. Well, we're coming up on 33 minutes. So I'm going to ask you a question here um, okay. and a question or two. But like, first of all, say say we're talking to somebody who has never had Korean food, okay? Doesn't even know where to start. Is there a restaurant? Is there a starting point in which you could recommend on where they would start with Korean food specifically? So like I've talked about before, um, Korean food is incredibly diverse. We see a lot of, right now we're seeing a lot of um, Korean snack shops, which is westernized is yes. um, Korean food, like mm-hmm. the Korean corn dog, which is really good if you haven't had one. Yes. Uh, like the potato so loaded. good. It's amazing. They're um, so good. Yes. Then you have the more, tra- then you have like um, Korean grills, which is this very traditional, like Camino style. You have banchan and, th- and there's grilled meat that you can have. That's mm-hmm. like, that's like a very encapsulating experience. I've actually never been to one before. I've always made my own at home, but on my to go eat list. I want to go so bad. It's been on my, like my list for two years, but I've never had a I've never had a buddy to go with. So right. Just <laughs> thinking about we, food. Yes, I know, right? I was just trailing off it like, oh, that'd be <laughs> anyway. I will say, um, um my, I think my first experience with Korean food was with Korean barbecue. It I think Korean barbecue can be widely overstated. Um it's it's easy to call it Korean barbecue, but uh, I know that I just read a, an article in Eater that was talking about how Portland is having this big boom with Korean barbecue right now, and it's leading into the different areas of Korean food and different uh, different types of restaurants and eateries are starting to pop up that are really diving into more traditional um, Korean food, and it's all coming from the boom of Korean barbecue. Which I yeah. think is kind of cool. There are definitely a few um, very traditional Korean places around, which is another another great thing yeah. to go do. And yeah. I, I would one thing that I will say, if you want to like start learning a little bit more about Korean food or Asian foods in general, 
go and just wander through H Mart for a couple of hours. It is it's so much way. fun. It's the best way. I love going to H Mart <laughs> and finding a new sauce and then yeah. looking it up and then buying it and then eating it and then cooking with it. And it's like, uh, uh, I wish I could go every single week and do that. Yeah, you know, I just it, met my friend there the other day and took her on an H Mart tour and it was so much fun. I was like, and this is another thing I love. Every time I go in there, I don't think I can spend less than a half hour in there. And I, I may come out with one thing in my hand, but it's like, I'm just so, I just walk around and I look at all the different foods, the cuts of meat that they have alone, just the cuts of meat alone. I get so like, oh, what could I do with that? You know, and, or what could I do with this oxtail or this, you know, this, these pig ears, pig ears and pig feet, or, or what, what could I make with, you know, the type of fish they have in there? It's just fascinating and I love it. And then on top of that, um, major hack in my opinion is go there for your produce because they have a whole lot of produce. They have the rare produce and it's good produce. I don't know. Yeah. The other day, well, when I went there with my friend, oh my God, we were like, we were having like mental breakdowns over the produce. It was so, we were so excited. We came out there with tons of produce. Yeah. Um, yeah. We were looking at like the lotus root and like all these different like types of <clears throat> vegetables and the different radishes. Oh, and all the different spices. And I was, and I was explaining to her how you can preserve um, like different chili peppers really easily. And I was like, mm-hmm. sorry, I'm getting sidetracked about HMAT, but like I, well, I live for HMAT. I think that that kind of answers the question because, um, H Mart is a place, and this, this is what I recommend to people. If if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably kind of a um, I'm not going to use the word nerd, but you, you you like to do things with food, and so like what I would do if I were you is I would go to a place like an H Mart, find um, find something that you don't know what it is, and start in the produce section. Take it home, find a recipe for it, make it, and then say. Oh, well, that was interesting. I wonder what else I could do with this. Go back to H Mart, find something to, you know, couple it with, like maybe some meat or some fish or, you know, a style of rice and then take it home and then do it again. And that, that's what it's all about. You're experimenting with products singularly and then starting to create different uh, combinations of food. And I think that's a really fun way to experiment with cooking is like, Find the products you don't know about, take them home, and do things with them. Do a little research, yeah. you know, find a recipe, um, and or don't, and just try to make something based off your own knowledge, you know? Like, why not? Have fun with food. Have fun with it. And that's really, uh, that's, that's like my style is like, I love to have fun with food. I love to experiment. I love to do the things that are traditional, but I love to go so far out of the box, that yes. it's like people are like, what? Where did this come from? You know, like, and I can't explain where it comes from. I have an interesting imagination, maybe, but yeah. that's what it is. And it could be something super basic. It could be something you know really complex. But at the same point, get creative with food. And H Mart is a great place to start for Korean food. It is. I love going, grabbing a random sauce I'd never heard of and just like blind taste testing it and then yep. figuring it out from there. Yep. I mean, I have so many must have sauces now that were just me, you know, <laughs> randomly grabbing an interesting looking jar off of the shelf. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a sauce guy myself. And, and, uh, I, 
I unfortunately that's not shared in my household, but I definitely have my area, my cabinet that has like my sauces in it. And luckily, I have a cabinet too. Yeah, yeah exactly. You just gotta have that. Everyone knows the knowledge to touch it because me and my brother went through the sibling power struggle of me buying myself food and then he him eating my food and then um, me, you know, pondering awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Sarah, we're about at 40 minutes and that's usually about the time. Um, thank you for all the knowledge. Uh, holy crap. Like, I think we could probably have like four or five shows just based off of this, just based off of, you know, the research that you have done. Um, and that's not even touching the, you know, the iceberg, right? That's like just the, just the tip of it. Yeah. And so I want everybody to know that like, we're not saying that sums up Korean food because it doesn't. It's so much. <laughs> it's just so much to learn. This is just a little bit. This yeah. is just a little bit. We'll, we'll, we'll call this uh, an aperitif. And what, you know, obviously we know what that is. That just gets the salivate, salivation going and it gets you yeah. excited about things. So if this show got you excited about Korean food, get out to find your local Asian Mart, H Mart, whatever you guys have in your cities. If you're in Portland, H Mart is a fantastic place to go. Um, Sarah, thank you so much. I really enjoy having these shows. Um, I enjoy your intelligence and just your true, like, drive and love for food. It's really refreshing. Thank you. Yeah. That's so, that means so much coming from you. And like I always say, it's so much fun being on this show. It's absolutely an amazing opportunity. And it just it really gets me, you know, in that cooking space. I like it. Space. I like it. That makes me excited. So, all right, everybody get out there. Um, thank you for listening. Check out the show. I'll be posting, uh, you know, the link on how to listen uh, on my Instagram. I'll also tag uh, Sarah's Instagram in that too. So uh, I hope everybody um, has a great night. Sarah, you got anything else? Nope. Just, right. you know, if you haven't had kimchi, go have some